0: and we are here with our first episode of the break the wait is finally over i'm charles carter to my right will doctor and pushing on the all the bright shiny buttons it's marcus castillo um first off to start the show off man i want to say something to these guys my friends my new friends my new family Um, I'm so grateful to have all you guys with me, man, to, even for you guys agreeing to do the show with me, um, you could have said no. And so, man, I'm just so happy to have you all, all you guys here with me. Um, yeah, I mean, as a, as a writer and, uh, you
1: know, I, I think we've, we've, uh, you know, we've known each other for a few months here and, um, I'm excited to get this thing going.
2: Yeah, same here, Charles. I'm um, looking forward to working with y'all. You know, again, since I've been here, y- y'all kind of just welcome both of us with kind of like helping hands. So I'm definitely looking forward to extending our relationship with y'all. So
1: yeah, and, uh, Charles and I are really mainly going to be focusing on uh, you know uh, Rockets, Texans, and Astros. Um, you know, we got the we got the NBA season coming up uh, here, and you know the Rockets season starts in. In two days, twenty third versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, but yeah, we're going to be talking a lot of Houston sports. You know, a little bit of everything. Uh, but I'm excited
0: to get it going. All right. So, with that being said, man, the first thing we're going to jump into is before actually before we get into it, I was going to start with some. Who do you think is as far as like MVP candidates? Because I know we're dealing with um, the Harden trade, especially with Rockets, but. As far as the MVP candidates uh, starting first, or, you know, Luka is the favorite. It's overall favorite to win the MVP. And then it's Giannis. Then uh, I think next is Steph Curry. And then after that is, I believe, LeBron. And so.
1: Yeah, um, I was just, I was shocked to see Harden at six. Yeah. Um, simply because they, they kind of do this to him every year because he's not on the East or West Coast. You know, he's he's just the kind of outside favorite almost. I mean, I just see, you know, Steph is is, is at three right now. Yeah. Um, you know, Steph lost clay and he's dealing with a very young roster i mean you know running the pick and roll all year with wiseman maybe you know it's just going to be a lot of teaching i mean mm. it's a lot like it's a lot like the roster like trey young for example has yeah like, we, we could see Steph right have a comparison. huge year but he's got zero talent around him I mean, he's got draymond but draymond's a solid three guy he, they need clay um, uh, I just I know if James was on the East or West Coast, he he'd probably I think he would have Steph's, uh, you know Steph's spot. Um, you know, I don't disagree with Luka being at number one. I think that Mavericks team is going to be a
0: huge problem for the Rockets, and Luka is only getting better. With with yeah. that, like it's hard for me to almost even imagine. Okay, so. I'm not going to say I disagree with Luka being first because Luka is phenomenal, and Luka's only getting better exactly like you said. But Giannis was the MVP, also the defensive player of the year, and it's like I can't imagine him not doing that a second time. He's played so well, and also he's coming from a Bucks team. that's was kind of, well, they had the best record in the East. He's a powerhouse player, and nobody's – there hasn't been any single player that I could really name who could stop him in the post. And – eventually I could see him adding a shot to his game which will make him unstoppable. And so it's it's hard for me to say that like I said, I can't say that I would put Luca too, but could I, I don't know, it's like almost it's almost when I, I wanna make like a a tie for first place. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I I um you know, I I can't see Giannis winning a third M V P. You know, LeBron's actually ahead of of ad which i i found pretty interesting but i th- if lebron wins if lebron lebron's if lebron wins one more finals he's one away from jordan i think so so this is a big year for lebron mm. i i think um i think there's some good value in taking hold on, Le- hold on, finals LeBron. Right as far
0: as rings yeah rings oh no he's has what four he has four rings so he'll, four be, he'll be two away yeah he'll be Two, yeah, he's two away right now. So Join six, six or seven. Six. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it'll be, yeah, so it'll be one away.
0: Yeah, if he wins this come this season, then he'll right. be one away. So
1: I, I think I think LeBron at plus seven hundred's uh, great value. I think um, that or even Harden at plus plus eight hundred. I, I think we're about to get into some rocket stock here, but um, it, you know it looks like James is staying put at least for now. What do you think about the Rockets starting
0: here in two days, Charles? It's hard for me. It's hard for me to even like just more so form an opinion. Okay, I saw that preseason game, and the preseason doesn't look half bad. Uh, John Wall looks okay. Christian Wood looks better than I thought he would be. Boogie looked all right. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: And, and and Wall looked good. It's just like that report that you see after like the first two games. Uh, you know, like. Everyone's already on load load management. You know, like John Wall, load management, Boogie load load management. C- Christian Wood was like, I I didn't like those first two preseason games, like Christian Wood not being there. Mm. Uh, I didn't know it, it wasn't that I didn't like him not being there, just seeing that he was hurt already. Um, it, you know, it's like that. You know, Christian Wood's going to be a huge factor this season. So, um, but he put up twenty seven in the in the last preseason game. Mm. Um, uh, here in Houston against the Spurs, uh, put up 27 points. Christian Woods looking good.
0: Yeah. Also, with that being said, and I know I was so – we all talk about it, and I was so critical of us trading Russ for John Wall. But what I saw is, okay, John Wall, he did prove to me he's still one of the fastest people on, up and down the court with the ball in his hand. And so with that being said, it's I have, I'm a little bit more confident in him to push the ball up the court and kind of do what Russ did. Not being as uh, as effective because you know Russ bangs the paint and he can he's a, he can be a great slashing guard for you, and I don't think John Wall could be as effective as he was, but he can somewhat simulate that. You know, he can still kind of give you Russ vibes if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think one or lost between either team financially. They're mm. pretty much identical contracts. I I don't see much the the only benefit that I see from John Wall is. Down the stretch of games, I feel he can be such a better floor manager than Russell Westbrook. Not, yeah, I do agree with that point. Just straight and Russ isn't finishing any. You know, he, he doesn't throw it down anymore. It's, it, he missed a lot of just you know, a lot of just layups. You know, especially down the road of the playoffs, taking taking threes down the stretch. Yeah, um, shooting himself in the foot. Honestly, mm. um, I I think that's why I was I was always a fan of
0: acquiring Wall. I think Russ was like a, just a bad kid. I think he was a, more so a product of the environment of the Rockets and how our style of play was. You know, he was never meant. I mean, like I said, they did try to use him as a slashing guard, but us taking all these threes and he's not a shooting guard. And
1: yeah, and ultimately, it, yeah, ultimately a power you know conflict between yeah, him and Harden. That too. Um, I I think. I don't under yeah, I, I never I still don't understand how and you know, how you're Russell Westbrook, you come to Houston like who we you know, we talked about this in, in a couple of the mocks, but like who who was Russell Westbrook to think he was gonna be the leader in Houston? But I think the last time Russell had played with James, you know, Russell was the leader and James was the sixth man. Yeah. Um, so the pot you know, that that's a huge power struggle and now we're seeing power struggle between Um, A little bit between Rockets management and James Harden. A lot of trade rumors out there and some new ones this weekend.
0: Yeah, and none of them, I mean, at the end end of the day, nothing's going to make you happy with what you get for James Harden at this point. Nothing. Nothing's going to satisfy. And so, I mean, with all the things that we're hearing, it's still I'm trying to look past of what I want and expect. and just look at what I, what I possibly can get, you know? Because, like, you know, you want the world for James. He's a three-time scoring champion. He's one of the top five score, uh, players in the league right now. And so when people offer you up their their second best, it just it makes me cringe and it makes me you – you've seen the author meme when he tightens up his fist and shaking it. Like, you know, it makes me just angry, you know? So I don't know. I think of Thanos. When you think, think of, of Thanos? That, but, you know. It makes me want to pull out the gauntlet, man. So,
2: so, so quick point. So, um, uh, going back to what you said, well, about us needing a big man. Uh, one of the trade rumors that came out recently this week was uh, for Pascal Siakam. Uh, what's your opinion about kind of us pulling the trigger
1: on that? Well, I, I think this this Pascal Siakam package would uh, would have to include their 2021 and 2022 first round pick. Definitely. Uh, Nothing less. And I, I like we're going to get to the the Celtics rumor, but I like Siakam over some of the other candidates. I think it's it's kind of I feel like it's it's the most win win sort of package that could get, could come. Siakam six nine forward, uh, an all star last season, averaged twenty two point nine uh, points, seven point three rebounds a game, three point five assists playing 32 minutes a game um a solid solid starter that could go along uh very nicely with john wall and christian
0: wood what about the rumors from the celtics the celtics with um i forgot who was it uh jalen brown uh yeah jalen brown jalen Brown. i don't that sounds like a horrible well a great deal for the rockets horrible trade for the uh, celtics because you still have um
2: jason tatum jason
0: tatum thanks Jason Tatum. You still have Jason Tatum. And I feel like James Harden appearing on the scene would definitely be a toxic a, a toxic relationship for a young star like Jason Tatum. He's still ascending and he he's a great player, but he isn't there yet. He'll eventually be a top five player in the league, but he's just not there yet. And I feel like when you bring James Harden onto the that kind of that kind of scene with a budding star, and I feel like at that point you're kind of taking Jason Tatum out of the winning equation because you have James Harden who's so ball dominant and needs to be your front running star. That it, it wouldn't you I don't I don't feel like you probably couldn't find a way to even incorporate Jason Tatum heavily into your offense.
1: Wait, so uh what about Jalen in
0: our offense? Jalen in our offense, I feel like he can compliment John Wall really well and so to where the point he wouldn't have to do as much and so like I I've always questioned John Wall's health. Always have. He, he hasn't played the last two seasons, the last two seasons he did play, those games combined didn't even add up to a full season. So, you know, I have I've already I've always had questions about his health. And so when you bring him, you bring someone else who could uh push the ball up court, uh who can shoot well and do All these things that you wouldn't require so much of James Wall uh, of John Wall, excuse me. I feel like that could definitely help us a lot.
1: Yeah, Boston has a little bit more to give than Toronto. They have a 2021 first and second round pick, they also have a 2000, they also have their first and second round picks in 2022. Um, I like the size that Pascal brings, um, I like the consistency. Uh, and I think over the next three to five years, you could, you could, you could, st- you could build something around around Pascal Siakam. Uh, but what I'm ultimately looking for is for is for Tillman Fertitta, and James Harden to get on the same page before the season starts. Um, back in 1992, when when Elijah Juan and and Rockets owner at the time Charlie Thomas, uh, they were disputing on contracts, and this was obviously right before you know, 94, 95 when the Rockets won a championship with, Mm. with the dream. Um, and and they couldn't settle on a, on a, you know, on, on a deal. And, uh, you know, one day Charlie Thomas, um, I think, I think it was a, a, a marketing opportunity or, um, some type of promotion, but there, you know, he had a flight to Japan on his private jet Mm. and, and he took, he took the dream with him. And when they landed in Japan, they ultimately had reached a deal. Um, now, obviously, James has two more years on his contract, which someone with two years and 50, you know, if you're getting paid 50 mil a year, you know, most players don't two years before, it's, you know, expiration yeah. start complaining. So I think I see the frustration on both sides with the, mm. uh, you know, with, with Rockets ownership and James Harden, um, you know I have said that 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 Harden's given us uh, you know everything. But what we do know is that James Harden is uninterested in playing with John Wall. Um, you know, what, what do you
0: think about that? Honestly, after Darren Morey left, I feel like any hope of James and Tim getting on the same page is kind of out the door. Um, I feel like Darren Moore was definitely an intermi- intermediary for Timothy to, to the players and so now that that bridge is gone and he left so suddenly it's kind of just there. I feel like there is no connection there is no uh, I'll pick up the phone and call there is no um, I'll write you I'll say, you know what I mean there, there, there's none of that I feel like there isn't that, that connection with management anymore and he so prob-
1: Harden probably hasn't even met Raphael Stone what do you think
0: probably not Especially when he was out, uh, when he was out early, when he was uh, out with partying with little baby, yeah. and missing practice, and apparently when, when Stephen Silas said that James and Russ approved him coming, and it's like, how could you approve a coach and not show up for his practice, you know? So yeah, if he didn't even show up for the coach that he signed off on, I doubt that he tried to go meet the GM. No, you no, know, so no way, no way. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I think I think Harden's fed up
1: with you know, his right hands, you know, his Robins, these, you know, his, what's supposed to be his second in line, um, you know, CP three going down with the hamstring injury. Unfortunate. I, I understand that frustration is hardened, you know, CP three, um, obviously it's grueling probably to play on a hamstring injury, but, you know, losing him, uh, you know, in 17 was, was, was terrible. Um, and, and then Westbrook, you know, people forget he was battling hamstring injuries last year and which, you know, some made excuses for Russ in the playoffs. Oh, you know, he can't get up. He's still, you know, his hamstring still bothering him, which, you know, it's fine. But James has given us, you know, 38 to 40 minutes every night the last, you know, eight years. Yeah. Um, so I don't – I can see where – Getting John Wall, you know, you've made this point, Charles. Uh, you're you're, you're kind of getting a broken down car. He hasn't played in two years. Although, if he stays healthy, you know, I, I think he can be. You know, it, it can be great, but. When you're looking at the at the in the eyes of James Harden, you know you're, you're probably a little tired of the third coast and and the broken down cars you've been getting here.
0: I definitely, I mean, John Wall healthy is at least a four star player in my mind, you know, but at the same time, his stats aren't even good as Russ's were, and so like I said, we said he hasn't played in two seasons, and the last two seasons he did play, those games combined don't even add up to a full season, and so when you look at that, it's like well. It's a matter of time. This car has over a hundred eighty thousand miles on it. You know, I've replaced the engine a few times, and it, the check engine light is still on. And so, when you think about that, it's like you're trying to get all these pieces. Like you got a Boogie Cousins who Achilles injuries. You know, you're trying to make all these moves, and that's not appealing anybody. It's not appealing to anybody, especially a superstar like James Harden. We're trying to get him to stay, and so I think with that, like I said. James Harden is a Batman in his own mind and he's getting tired of all these replacement Robins. Right. Um, Marcus, Marcus made the point not too long ago when he was talking about James uh, back during the mocks, he talked about um, James being having that six man mentality mentality and he's brought that over since he, since he came from OKC. And so we was like, well, maybe James has Batman talent but a Robin personality
1: yeah and a, and, a, and a a total uh, you know once he steps on the floor he didn't he doesn't you know it, it's almost like he doesn't need a Robin yeah. you know you know he he's never had chemistry with you know any, anybody any star that yeah. they brought here I was hopeful about possibly getting uh, Tyler hero and bam you know like that excited me a little bit although the you know, Bam and Tyler don't have like the talent, really. Not the talent, but Pascal Siakam, I think, is. is turning a into series. a star. Yeah, you know, and I think Tyler's a couple years away from that, mm-hmm. and Bam's a big man who you know is, is is great too. But they they didn't have the picks, I think, to to really. Construct a package for James without you know you give away Bam and, and Tyler you know there's no guarantees that
0: that Harden and Jimmy Butler will even miss right mm. uh, but if I were to bet my money on anybody who can get James Harden to fit into the fold. Is definitely Jimmy Butler, especially the way he ter- he terrorized the Timberwolves with yeah. Cat and uh, Andrew Wiggins and said, these guys are soft. I know. they don't like to no, practice. No. Unfortunately,
1: yeah, Miami said they're out. They were out today, um, you know, Bleacher Report reported. But, uh, yeah, it, it, there was some big packages being thrown around there. Bam, Duncan Robinson, uh, maybe Olenek. You know, but that, but that, you know, Olenek doesn't do us much good, but – So, uh, real quick, if we happen to
2: get some uh, Spicy P, Pascal Siakam, uh, how would the lineup look? Because that means we'll have about, what, four big, Spicy P, P.J. Tucker, even though he's probably like a medium-sized guy, Boogie, and Christian Woods. How do you think the lineup will work from that point
0: on? Ooh. um, We would almost look like the Nuggets. You know, everybody's huge. So... (laughs) Okay, so you have Christian Woods at the five. You have Pascal. He would. Be, I, I wouldn't even want him at the forward, though. At, at the at the uh, power forward, though. I wouldn't want him as a small forward.
1: No, I I I'd, I'd give Harden, Pascal, PJ, Christian Wood, and then John John Wall running the floor. So Wall, Harden, Siakam, PJ Tucker, and Christian Wood at center.
0: Speaking on PJ Tucker, do you think? How do we? How do we he still hasn't got his deal, and he's very upset with that, and so. How do you think? I mean, think he's thirty-five years old. <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I I don't know what he what
1: he wants, but to 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 want two more years right now and and to want a new contract for him, you know, I, he he's he seems so he seems so pissed at the stand every night. Yeah, um, talking to the media. Um, I, I don't I don't understand what he's so mad about. He you know he 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 was like one for seven in game six of the. Of the um, you know the second round last year, he shot the ball terribly. Yeah, he's undersized on defense, and he's only getting older. So, um, I love PJ, and and you know, a lot of the you know the fans that I talk to like PJ. He represents Houston very well. He's a cool yeah, guy. Definitely. Um, a lot like Gerald Green ones. Gr- Gerald Green was. And, I used to love Gerald Green. Yeah, he's gone. You know we we uh, we we had to let go of him today, but um. I think, yeah, it's where Pascal would fit in the lineup, I think he would take Eric Gordon's place in the lineup because I, Silas has said that uh, Eric Gordon uh, isn't looking like it's gonna he's gonna be a start. He's gonna be coming off the bench this year. But um, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna wrap us wrap our uh, our Rockets talk up. Uh, next, we're gonna be moving on to the uh, state of the Texans. Uh, with a break room HOU on Twitter uh, discussing the Texans another terrible loss for the Texans um, another day of Deshaun getting hit a lot another day of fans uh, being pissed about Deshaun not sitting which Charles is going to talk about here in just a second but Deshaun had a great game once again 33-41 373 yards in the air two touchdowns um you know a great day for Deshaun and is also going to get him a trip to the Pro Bowl as announced today him and Laramie Tunsil um are headed to the Pro Bowl uh, the only positive that came out of me watching this game was Jonathan Taylor the Colts running back you know for the second time in a row this season I saw a great opportunity of starting Jonathan Taylor against the Texans defense um and uh he had a day he got in the end zone um put up some good points for me. But, uh, Charles, what, what
0: would you what you see out of this game? I said, the main thing I saw was how many times Deshaun Watson was getting hit and all the sacks he took. And so, like you we were just saying, I don't need Deshaun Watson to play a- another game for the Houston Texans at all this season. Let's just, like we said, we're going to get into the coaching later, possible coaches later, but Deshaun Watson is the only positive about this entire offense. Deshaun Watson, this last game against the uh, against the Colts had 25 rushing yards. David Johnson had 27 or 26. Like that, that makes no sense. And why is your quarterback has almost the same amount of rushing yards as your running back? You know, so and then he's he's doing the best he can with his passing. He's doing great actually, but to no avail, you're losing. And so he's taking what I think around um 16 sacks these past 2 to 3 weeks and so i don't i don't know i don't know what the deal is i don't know it's like it's like um romeo doesn't even doesn't even care like he knows he's probably not going to be here next season and so he's just letting the team kind of just spin its wheels and fall apart until the end of the season comes you know and i, I don't i don't i just don't know it's making me more upset because there's nothing I can do it, <laughs> nothing I can do about it, and it's like it's only like a matter of time before some defense defensive end or linebacker blitzes comes off the edge, and then boom, there goes Deshaun Watson's knee arm, God forbid, but knee arm whatever, and then he's out.
1: Yeah, and then and then, and then what are you gonna do? You know, uh, you know Deshaun goes down, and and this this franchise has no future, and it seems like day to day we're. We're questioning the Texans' future, um, and and uh, and today uh, we heard that that ex Lions coach Jim Caldwell is is gonna is is interviewing for the uh, for the Texans head coaching job, and um, I, I feel like Texans fans are gonna be pretty quick to turn this 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 option down uh, because Jim Caldwell really hasn't done much for anyone lately and uh and those who think that aren't wrong uh but i see where Cal mcnair has his head because uh jim caldwell has coached some of the more prominent quarterbacks uh this league has seen it's just as of late uh his last couple jobs really haven't panned out on the way that he planned uh you know he was he was the head coach for the lions from 2014-2017 Uh, he had two playoff appearances and ultimately fell short of bringing that franchise back to the success. Um, even with Matt Stafford as his, as as his quarterback in prime years. Um, and then after two years on the couch, he went to the dolphins, um, as a QB coach, where in my opinion, the 2019 dolphins was just a lose, lose situation, uh, because they were pretty much tanking for Tua, um, and, and rebuilding their whole franchise. Um, but I, I'm not saying that Jim Cole would be a terrible fit in Houston. Uh, but like I said, he has he has ha, has had his successes. Um, he was Peyton Manning's quarterback coach in Indianapolis back in the early to mid 2000s, um, and he you know he was part of the 2008 Super Bowl championship under Tony Dungy, um, and, and, and and then moved on to. Um, the Ravens QB coach of 2012, where he won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. Um, <clears throat> so, and there's no doubt that this interview was, you know, set up by Tony Dungy, who's part of the Definitely. Cal's, you know, I guess, I guess, I guess quick call list. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, hey, you know, who should I, you know, who should I interview? Because Tony Dungy came out and said, uh, you know, there, there's he's not part of any task force to to get a head coach to Houston. Task force? <laughs> um, no, yeah, yeah. But Caldwell yeah. was also with Dungey in 2001 in Tampa when they were coaching Brad Johnson. So, you know, there's no doubt that that he can he can coach quarterbacks. He's a he's obviously yeah. a, he's a quarterback coach. The thing is, the rest there's so much else that this this fran- this franchise needs. needs. There are so many issues on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Jim Cowell is doing nothing right now. I, I think looking at him as a quarterback's coach for Deshaun, maybe even a, even an offensive uh, a coordinator. But he interviewed his head coach. Uh, so
0: what do you think? See, I could swing offensive coordinator and – I'm not even like super enthused about that one, you know what I mean, but definitely not a head coach. Okay, so like I said, he won or he won a ring with Joe Flacco back uh back in what 2000 and uh 2012. 2012. And also back with when he was under Tony Dungy, uh back with Peyton Manning was there. And so that in itself is like Okay, but like I said, like exactly like you said, the Texans have way more issues than the quarterback. The quarterback is the only good thing going on right now. So you coming in with your quarterback expertise isn't really a necessity right now. You know what I mean? And so I mean I could swing him as a as a QB coach, fine. You know what I mean? I could maybe swing him as an offensive coordinator, eh? Maybe. You know what I mean? But definitely not a head coach because like I said, the defense has so many issues. Um, what? Like I said the biggest issue on offense is rushing. We don't have a rushing attack defense. We don't. We can't stop the run. Also, we're not very good against the uh, the deep ball. So, yeah, and it, and I,
1: you know, Jim Caldwell. It, I'm I'm sitting here saying, you know, I'm I'm, I'm you know, we're crediting it as successes. He, you know, he's a he is a he's earned a, a solid reputation in this league. But is he is he is he too much of an older style of play for Deshaun? I think is is a question. Whereas someone like Joe Brady or or Lincoln Riley, who he's updated with yeah. with the, with the style of play that he's running. Uh, Jim Caldwell, it, it, it's been since he, it, look at the two quarterback, the three quarterbacks he he he's won with uh, Won a little bit with Brad Johnson, but the main ones Peyton Manning and and Joe Flacco. Um he's one with primarily guys that stay in the pocket um and maybe Deshaun could use a little bit more of that learn how to get the ball get the ball away quicker uh and and not take as many hits um but I I think I think guys like Joe Brady or Lincoln Riley would be a step above that or or Eric Benimi um uh those are more advanced guys, guys that can that that know the 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 fast but a little bit air raid style of play that can that can you know obviously put Deshaun on top and bring him a championship.
0: Exactly like what you're saying with well, Lincoln Riley and Eric Enemy. These are guys who, when you hear them, it's like okay, I can I can see them transform the offense to a high power offense like they were back when. Um, back in Deshaun Watson's rookie year. You know what I mean? Well, granted, we don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore, but that's a whole other story. Um, And so, but when you think of Jim Caldwell, you don't think of high scoring. You think of uh, more of a methodical game, you know, uh, pushing the ball downfield, but not necessarily trying to score on the, I want to say the first drive, but, you know, as soon as you touch the field, you know, it's, it's more of a combination game, not necessarily because the league is moving to a passing league, you know, and not necessarily more of a balanced game. That's what I think of when I think of Jim Caldwell. I think of a balanced rushing attack along with a passing game. Not necessarily more heavy passing, more, uh, pushing for a high power offense, but more of a we'll get there, not we we get there right now. Does that
1: make you hear me? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, um, and even a role above uh, – the head coach, which is uh, you know Cal McNair, is conducting interviews for, is the Houston Texans GM spot, and most recently, and pretty much the only one we've heard about, uh, is Lewis Riddick, who who is currently a uh, um, an, an, an analyst for ESPN on Monday Night Football. People in the game love Riddick's mind. They love him as an analyst. Uh, they love his takes. As far as personnel goes, he was the director of pro personnel in Washington from 05 to 07 and was also the head of personnel in Philly from 2010 to 2013. Both of these runs had, had uh, you know, had very little uh, success. Um, and, you know, he, he hasn't. He hasn't worked for an organization. In 2013. Um, I I don't. I'm 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 having trouble seeing what Riddick has done to deserve a shot to run this no, franchise. Exactly. Um,
0: yeah. And and what do you think about that? No, I definitely agree with you. I'm not really of uh, in the crowd that thinks uh, he necessarily deserves it. I mean, sure, he was. Yes, he was a great prep player also i can i can admit to i have my own prejudices about uh personalities but getting jobs you know i felt the same way about when john gruden got the head coaching job with, in oakland you know i kind of look at him now i'm not saying he'll turn out like john gruden but no but it, it's fair
1: you know he it, you know yeah gruden's Y two banana style it's like you know it well yeah gruden won a super bowl uh, but 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 it's it's 2020, 20, you know. It's yeah. a
0: different time, and so not saying he can't evaluate talent because he was a player and he played at a high level, you know. But at the same time, it's it's there's more to go that goes in, in, uh, into being a GM than just um, see, being able to evaluate talent. Right. You know, there's more than it's more than just that because I don't want to say anybody who's been in the league for a while can s- see if somebody's good or not, but if you if you've been around football long enough, you've seen enough great talent, you know great talent when you see it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I've, I've heard that I've heard that he's a numbers guy, he's a he's a smart analyst. Not going I'm not going to say he's not smart. No, he's a smart guy. I just, I just don't understand how you go, you know, you 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 leave Philly in 2013, you're an ESPN analyst and you know just he land he he joined ESPN, you know, only a couple years ago. Mm. Uh I I really don't see what Riddick has done to, to deserve a shot at the, at the, uh, Texas GM. And and to those who think that, oh, he's a numbers guy, he's a stats guy. Great. Like great for your takes. Mm. Um, you know, that, that provides great commentary. It's a lot like you and me are doing right here. Yeah. Uh, but, but to, to go from there to a GM, it's, um, it's something that I, I really haven't. I haven't seen much of a lot of GMs start within the organization and work their way up or they're just you know They're 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 uh, you know, they're brilliant minds Uh, And and like I said, I'm not saying Lewis Riddick isn't a brilliant mind I'm just not sure how much his take you know His takes and his and his football mind are gonna
0: translate into an NFL GM job. No exactly. I definitely agree with you Um, and I think uh, to give more clarity, uh, the reason I bring up John Gruden is, um, like I said, I have my own uh, thing about him. When he when he did win a Super Bowl in Miami, he took over a, a Tony Dungy team. It wasn't necessarily something he constructed, you know. And so he, was, I felt like he kind of just rode a steady wave, you know. He became a person when I a personality. What was he? He was doing the – what was that show where he kind of evaluated quarterbacks to get into the draft? Riddick? No, 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 not Riddick.
1: Oh, Gruden. Gruden. Uh, yeah, Gruden's QB camp.
0: There we go. And yeah, yeah, so yeah. um
1: uh, Yeah, it's uh, almost he. You know, I miss Gruden as an analyst. Like, and I think, I think, Lewis Riddick is going to kind of leave that because I actually I like Riddick in the booth. No, he's I, actually. I, I look, uh, he's a, even even Cowboys fans that I talk mm. to who are so in love with Tony Romo in the booth, from who I've talked to, he tops that. Now, I I personally disagree because Tony Romo can literally call a play before it even happens every time Mm. Um, I I haven't seen that as much from Riddick not that I'm saying that you know that takes anything away Away from from him yeah no 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 Uh, but there is some some uh, you know moving on to other NFL news Mm. there's, there's some some I think there was a huge shift in the AFC South yesterday from the Jets loss to the Rams last night now the 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 jets won their first game of the season yesterday jets nation's going nuts about how they're not going to get trevor lawrence anymore um or at least at least that's how it's looking mm. it's looking like the jaguars are going to get him now here's what i thought was going to happen and what i still think might happen if the jets uh end up getting trevor lawrence is i thought that it would be a perfect option for the Colts, who, you know, Phillip Rivers is going to leave next year. Um, They're going to need a quarterback, I thought. And I still think if the Mm. Jets end up getting Trevor Lawrence, is they're going to trade Sam Darnold to to the Colts. Mm. Um, and, And that, you know, that would have been a real problem for the texans oh, over, over the next couple years i, I think donald would have been and you know like i've been saying i you know the jets could still get lawrence and they'd, they'd be forced to ship off donald mm. um but and there's been talk that the colts could also get wince now that he's on the move uh but yeah the Trevor Lawrence could be heading to Jacksonville now uh, because of that Jets loss, and, and and the Jets have the second most money uh, to spend here the next couple years, and uh, it could be perfect building um, around Trevor in Jacksonville. Um, you know, some of the other thing, you know, draft night um, chaotic trades would be Dallas trading uh, trading for Trevor. Um and shipping Dak off to Jacksonville, which is a, a bit of a popular opinion Ooh. too. But um, I haven't even given that into thought. That what
0: about might happen to Dak?
1: No, the yeah, I know. There's a lot of there's a lot of
0: uh, draft night things that could happen here. Uh, but Dak will make a very. I mean, not even to bring up the Cowboys, but Dak can make a very interesting trading piece. Yeah. No. 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 I. uh you got to count me out for the Cowboys, but
1: uh, yeah, no. Tre- hey, Trevor in Trevor in Dallas would be something special, but uh, that's going to wrap up our Texans and NFL talk today, uh, and uh, we're going to move on to some college football here next on Twitter, um, and and we're we're bringing it back here with some with some college football talk. A um, and got screwed, um, you know. Jimbo Fisher said it after the game. A M's ran through the SEC West other than Bama, um, and they deserve another shot. The final standings here are Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame at four, and, uh, you know, Lonely A&M at five. They'll be in another Orange Bowl. But uh, Saturday was interesting. I saw almost Ohio State get down to Northwestern early in the Big Ten, in the Big Ten championship. It was a close game for a long time. Ohio State ran away with it. And then, Notre Dame just gets absolutely slaughtered by Clemson um, on Saturday yeah. and and all these uh, you know all the a lot of the A&M haters are saying oh you know Notre Dame deserves to get one more chance at Clemson you know because they beat Clemson the first time and Clemson didn't even have their starting quarterback the first time they didn't have the best player in college football and in four to five years is going to be the best quarterback in the NFL one of them Ooh. Um, he is. Oh, he's, yeah. He's, he's perennial. Why do you think Jets fans are so mad that they just literally lost him?
2: You do know they said the same thing about Jamarcus also, right? And we do know how hey, that turned
1: hey. out. <laughs> that he's is somewhere that, eating some that, donuts, that, man. Leave that, him alone. That might be the worst comparison. Let him eat his big ribs in peace. <laughs> that might be the worst <laughs> comparison. Jamarcus had zero <laughs> legs. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> yeah, that disrespect. Oh, that's disrespect. Oh
0: man, <laughs> I ain't had that name in a while, man. Uh, what he trying to go to the XFL for a second?
1: He was he was coaching Kincaid for a little bit.
0: Yeah, I
2: think uh, he was that's trying like to the make a time I heard about yeah, it. I think he was trying to make an NFL return because I know he was working out with a whole bunch of different quarterbacks. Yeah. He did he did lose some weight and he looks good, but he, he's yeah, come on. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Nah, Will is so mad at that comparison, man. <laughs> he is yeah, so no, mad no, at that no, comparison. But,
1: uh, no, a back in an Orange Bowl because of it. They're going to have North Carolina in the in the Orange Bowl, and you know, Kellen Mons had a. He's pulled together a co- couple good games here. He's looked solid toward the back half of this season. I'm, I'm on record <clears throat> saying that either way they get in, he's not beating Bama. You know, no. he you know he 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 doesn't really. Um, I don't think he has that air raid fire caliber. He doesn't really let it loose ever. It's a lot of dink and dunk, but. Um, <clears throat> Aggies, Aggie running back Isaiah Spiller has really been uh the backbone of of this team in, in just eight games Spiller has rushed for 986 yards seven touchdowns and has 600 yard rushing games um you know it's just it's it's a lot of balance with Jimbo right now and and the team looks great I was genuinely pissed about uh, about them them not being in the top four. Jimbo's finally getting that good balance of kind of dink and dunk passing with Kellen and really relying on Isaiah Spiller to, to set the run game. And the defense looks fantastic. You know, Kellen, Kellen quickly approaching all of Johnny Football's records um, at AM, and he has his O line, you know, to thank as they're they're uh, you know they're in contention for the Joe Morgan award. The the offensive line has only allowed Kellen to get sacked four times on the year, averaging 0.44 sacks a game through nine Games that's that's first in the SEC and fourth nationally. So I have no doubt that they can they can they can handle any yeah. any defensive line coming in there. Maybe with the exception of Clemson, you know. Uh, but you know they they went they went twenty four quarters and two hundred and one pass attempts without letting Kellen Mond get hit. You know uh, that, yeah, that's you a know, stat right there. Yeah, man. they're sixth nationally and, and, and allowing tackles for losses. That's three point seven eight. Tackles uh, per losses per game that leads the SEC. So Kellen Mond and Isaiah uh, Isaiah Spiller, um, you know, big credit to their O line. That, that's a that's a Joe Moore More Award for me. Uh, we'll see uh, what the voters think. I look for this game. I, I'm excited about this game. You know, I, I was really excited that the, that the Aggies didn't get an Iowa State matchup or a Cincinnati matchup. Yeah. This is this is a this is a, a you know an, a, an Aggie team that at least deserves some good competition. And uh, and they're gonna get it out of the North Carolina t- Tar Heels. Um, you know, Tar Heels have not one good back, but two, and Michael Carter and Javante Williams. Um, you know, they've they've both had incredible seasons. You know, combined, they're the best running back duo in the nation. Carter led the team with um, over a thousand rushing yards, scored nine touchdowns. You know, Javante Williams well over a thousand as well. And scored a team high of nineteen touchdowns, so I am really excited. I, I've been on the Sam Howell trend, you know, the the Tar Heels quarterback all year. I think when he returns next year, he's going to be a prime NFL prospect. But I get the Aggies here at the end of the day. Um, you know, I, I think this team deserves a shot at the national championship, and and, and, and the lockdown defense and well balanced offense is going to be too much for the Tar Heels to handle. You know, that's all for uh, for C college football. Uh, talk and and we're going to move on to just a little bit of astros and uh, some pre-christmas talk here uh, on the break room and uh, we'll be right back Back on the break room here, we're gonna. Uh, I'm just gonna give kind of my short two cent rant about the Astros and, and kind of what's going on uh, in the front office there. And James Click has kind of hit a point in the road where, you know, here in the next year or two, he's gonna have to make some pretty. Pretty career defining decisions uh, in his GM place. Um, if he doesn't want to set this ablaze as much as Tillman Fatita and Kyle McNair have done with their respective teams. I can't the reason, the reason that I'm, I'm saying click the GM because Jim Crane, uh, you know, I think Jim Crane sort of have his, had his hand side on his back with the whole cheating scandal. I'm not saying he didn't know what was going on but as the owner, you know, you, you only have, you know, you only know what's going on so much to an extent. Like I, I think you're probably not hearing the locker room talk. You're not you're not seeing what's going on in the clubhouse. So the responsibility to re, to to sign the players that we have to sign with the Houston Astros, it, it ultimately comes down on James Click and I don't like the JT real Mudo rumors that are being talked about through the MLB you know Real Muto is a very very expensive catcher you got to commit at least 200 mil to him and he's a 30 year old catcher now when you got to commit 200 mil what what are you what are you looking at five to eight years maybe and he's 30 years old and he's a catcher we're not spending you know much at all on on Machete Maldonado and we're already struggling we're probably not going to sign Springer you know it's not even a fact of struggling to Mm -hmm. sign him it's obvious that George Springer is looking elsewhere Uh, the Blue Jays and Mets have come into the to to the to the conversation and the Blue Jays are a prime prime uh, organization for 31, 31 year old Springer to go to he's not getting younger although he already has a ring it's a perfect scenario for him to go play with a young, young team in the Toronto Blue Jays with Vlad Jr., with Kevin Biggio, with Bo Bichette, with Yuli Gurriel's brother. If I'm George Springer, I'm I'm looking at the Blue Jays as a prime spot to go. Toronto's a good spot, good ball there, good fans, and they need him. You know, they need they need one more piece in the outfield. So you can pretty much count on losing him. I, I just I, you know, I, I've talked about it with some buds. Committing $200 million to a 30-year-old shortstop would come back to haunt James Click. I can't emphasize that enough uh, because in three years, he's 33. In five years, he's 35. That, is, that that's is—those are old legs for a catcher.
0: You don't get healthy as you get older. No,
1: a- unless he swings the bat well enough to move it to first base. I mean, look— JT Realmuto is one of the better hitting catchers in the league. A career lifetime, 278 batting average. I, I'm not sitting here trashing Realmuto or, or, or discrediting him as a catcher. Always oh, a great catcher, but he he's not a guy that I want to get locked up with long-term. Um, he's just not... Uh, that money needs to go somewhere else. you got to fill out the outfield, and you got to load some, some veteran guys in the bullpen. Um, and I think we're going to have more of that next week on the break room. Uh, Taylor Loya uh, probably going to join us there for, for some more Astros talk. Um, before we wrap up here on the break room,
0: uh, what, you, what you boys' plans are for uh, for Christmas? Um. Well, uh, Christmas, huh? Not really, nothing too special. Probably go hang with the family, have a little breakfast or something. Um, might do something for the birthday that day, but Is not, your birthday on Christmas? On uh, Christmas Eve. Well, uh, yeah. happy birthday! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got, how, yeah, yeah, how
1: sweet!
2: Jesus, on. man! Uh, like, yo, how, how did you
0: keep that hidden from us? Uh, uh, it's Christmas Eve, kind of like, well, uh, it's a Christmas Eve. You know, people always kind of have things going themselves you know
1: Uh, yeah yeah, that's gonna be a great celebration charles carter's birthday christmas eve so so
2: charles how did that work growing up did you have christmas and your birthday or did you just have one big christmas or one big birthday
0: marcus i've always wondered that it works like your birthday is on christmas I've, i've heard for okay christmas eve is my birthday i heard for the 24th if your birthday is on the twenty fourth, the twenty fifth, the twenty sixth. Your birthday is just on Christmas. And that's all it means. It's nothing special. Yeah, you're no, not special. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah You're kind of like there's no need to wear out your parents like that. No, uh, no. That's 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 just what it is. <laughs> Don't say you're not special, Charles. You're special to me. See, that was nice, Marcus. That was very nice.
1: Dinner plans, though. Uh, well, what, which, uh, I guess what's Christmas Eve dinner? Um,
0: um it's hmm, huh. Nah, nah, nah. I mean, probably not probably have a Christmas particular. Eve dinner. You know what I mean, but. It's not really like yeah. a, it's not really like a formal plan. You know what I mean? My family's yeah, kind of like, it, well, it, well, we'll make something for you. Is,
1: is ham big on Christmas? I, I, I don't even, I can't even say that we have like an official strict dinner every. Uh, Christmas. I, I think it's, I think it's ham.
2: See, um, I'm 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 more of the the Hispanic side, so our typical dish is tamales. Ooh. So that's that's a now typical that... Hispanic thing or Mexican thing. Ham every now and then, but the main dish is definitely tamales. That's
1: something I can go along with. So what, what what's what's your tradition, Marcus?
2: So usually uh, on Christmas Eve, it's it's again it's a it's, I guess it's a Mexican heritage thing that we always celebrate the twenty fourth at midnight, and uh, again it typically consists of drinking and partying and kind of Christmas Day kind of this for and
0: just chill out and eat food cool well to to let you peer into the black household um christmas eve christmas night christmas eve night i guess uh, nothing really special you kind of just eat you know as i mean then it's my birthday that day so i'm kind of just we're just hanging out especially now it's corona so you know things are closed you kind of just want to stay safe with all the crazies out there doing whatever so
1: yeah, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna try to get on the golf course, maybe a little bit here, uh, oh, Christmas yeah. Eve, maybe the, maybe the day before. But uh, I, I think I think the fix is back after a, a weekend of watching uh, a lot of great golf. The PNC Classic was on, and for those of you that don't know what it is, this is a tournament where some of the game's greats and and their kid, you know, one of their kids. Um, you know, they're they they they're paired together and play with them as a team. Um, and this year, we're finally lucky enough to see Tiger Woods and his 11-year-old son, Charlie, uh, playing together, and, and it was a show. Charlie was hitting par fives and two, which 11-year-olds just don't do. Uh, they finished in seventh place one shot better than Big John Daly and his son, John Jr., um, so it was just really cool over the weekend to see I could I could personally feel the game of golf. It it just grew just a little bit. It kind of grew in a sense of returning to where it was when Tiger was kind of in his prime and, and 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 you know, some some golf Twitter accounts are gonna go, Oh well you you know, you can't be be hyping up an eleven year old like that. You know, he probably still doesn't even know if he loves golf. It's like, okay, come on. You know, he's Tiger's kid and it's a show out there. This, game, this game's waiting for that. Golf, golf, you know, it hasn't been as hype as Tiger has gotten older and seeing, obviously, Tiger, uh, you know, the amount of joy it brought to Tiger to see his son tearing it up out there and some of the identical impressions that Charlie was doing of his dad, the fist pumps, the club twirls, even the swing. Um, it was exciting. And, I mean, obviously, look, long way to go, long way to go. Golf's a crazy game. A lot of things can happen, but... You Know a lot of naysayers out there that just don't even want to acknowledge it, really. You know, they're I don't know if they're jealous that 11 year olds tearing it up out there, but uh, it, it was it was it was awesome to watch. And 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 not only Tiger, you know, I mentioned John Daly, you know, having his son out there. John Daly was a hit in the late 90s in golf and was was really a, a, a common head to head matchup, John Daly versus Tiger, until. Until the early two thousands, when when you know Daly's obviously alcohol abuse and a and bunch of other problems, pretty much took him out of the game. But now nah, watching Charlie was crazy.
2: Yeah, so when I saw all the highlights and everything pop up, and I was resisting so hard to tag you and a whole bunch of stuff on Twitter and text you because that kind of got me thinking. When it comes to golf. Does it matter about your strength or your form, period? Because I saw multiple videos of it showing Charlie Woods has the same swing as his dad. So how much in play does that come in other than me being strong and me trying to crush the ball downfield?
1: Well, it's huge. It it, Like this weekend when they were showing the side-by-side of Tiger and Charlie, it was identical. And so to your question, I think you were kind of hinting technique versus power. And the technique is obviously there. I posted a tweet. This is kind of getting into it to pretty advanced golf stuff. But the post-impact extension after the ball leaves the club face, it was identical. 11-year-old kid is identical to Tiger. Uh, The power you can only think is going to come. You know, I mean... you know, like, I, I saw, like, a lot of, like, comparisons to Bronny, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Charlie's going to have the five-star amenities to help go along with, obviously, what he's already doing and, and, and more power to him. And like, I, I said this with Bronny a couple years ago. Um, there's going to be a lot of people out there that that don't like, you know, that, oh, you know, Bronny gets everything and they're going to say the thing, same thing about Charlie Woods. It's like, you know, the... These kids are putting in a in a in a great deal of work to, to try to repeat what their you know, their you know, their fathers who are both greats in their respective games are doing. And um, you know, I, I say more power to it. Both tough games, Charlie Woods and golf, it's a, a lot of it's mental. But you know, I, I I'm I'm really rooting
0: for the kid. To those naysayers, man, don't hate the player, hate the game.
2: So, g- kind of going back to what you said about Barani, because so, usually in basketball, that kind of comes down to raw talent. In basketball, either you have it or you don't. So, when it comes to golf, is it necessarily raw talent? Or do you just have to, like, for me, for example, who's never swung before, is it possible for me to go out there and learn from the great and become great? Or do you have to have some type of skill like other sports?
1: Yeah, well, with Charlie Woods, I mean yeah the answer is no i mean the answer is none of, you know none of us could you know we could take as many lessons from tiger woods as we want the fact that his 11 year old son is, is 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 already on a camera looking like his dad swinging I, I, look in my opinion it is is pretty impressive and something to talk about what was, what was the back half of your question again
2: so, kind of depending on raw talent versus able to learn the talent pretty right. much. So, does Charlie Woods have, you think, have that raw talent? So or think, did he just kind of just
1: develop it? I think there's got to be, there There has to be, <laughs> for someone to be swinging like that at 11 years old... Uh, there has to be a certain amount of just given given ability. I mean, he's got it. Yeah. You know, I'm, it, I'm sorry to kind of bombard you about all
2: these questions. No, Me, no, no, yeah, no, no. Um, again, my my height when it comes to golf, I'm pretty sure my the level it is at. Happy Gilmore. No, no, no.
1: <laughs> we're we're de- we're definitely doing some golf education here on the break room. You know, as long as I mean, I, here's here's what I ultimately think about, and I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up about Charlie Woods. Is there was no reason moving forward. From what's happened in golf this year and and pretty much even post tiger there's no place for golf on on in this kind of talk uh, as of late there's nothing hype enough to to get it in the conversation listen anyone with the name last name woods coming back in the game we got something to talk about and uh we might be a long ways away from Charlie playing on the pga tour but who knows there has been crazier stuff that has happened in that game we could see him when he's sixteen. Hey, it could be t- when he's twenty. Uh, what I can't promise you is just get has talent and skills to talk about. So, um, so hold on before we get out of here. It, it, I know it's two different sports. Who's gonna have the better career? Just
2: just throwing it out there, just guessing: Bronny or Charlie Woods?
0: Ooh, Ooh. Uh, this uh, is this uh,
1: is tough. Bronny's uh, closer. So- Bronny's closer to uh, to that feat
0: he's also yeah like you said he's just older so he's closer to,
1: to i'm pretty convinced brawny and lebron are gonna play together too i think it's thing, they get one thing year. like w- at least one year uh they're they're like i feel like it's they're close enough now it's gonna happen mm. uh yeah no as much as i'm obviously on the charlie woods train and hyping him up he's 11 years old um Respectfully, we can only talk about him so much. You mm. know, he's he not playing pro events yet. Still, a, he's still an 11 year old kid. You know, anything can happen. He's still got a whole, you know, more levels of growth. Not saying Bronny mm. doesn't, but really at this point, it's height. Uh, Bronny seems to, you know, his IQ, his mental game, what it takes to get to the NBA. I mean, it, 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 he's in full development right now. He's on his way. Um, See, so I, I think Bronny, I think at this point in time, I'm gonna take Bronny uh respectfully, uh, but Charlie keep grinding, bro. I know that I know that kid's on his way.
0: I know it. See, given that, like, what he just said everything about Charlie Woods, I would almost go possibly Charlie, respectfully. Uh, just because and I hate to get into the game of the comparing the sons to the dad, you know, and not trying to make them into them, but it, it, you have the name, so it's kind of it, it's what we do in the media. You know what I mean? It kind of just has to be done. Um, granted, I think Bronny's only, what, 16, I believe? Um,
1: yeah, uh, 16 or 17. 16 or 17. But and so, uh, I, I, saw, I saw a picture of, like, LeBron at 16 and Bronny at 16, The developments
0: there, but not, you could go either way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, going with that, like, LeBron also, LeBron went to the league out of high school. There was no question that LeBron wasn't going to be the number one overall pick. Nobody even questioned it. And Carmelo was in that same draft coming out of college. Everybody knew it was going to be LeBron. Granted, I know he's still in high school and there's still a lot of development that can take place. He can still, he can make a huge jump when he goes to college, you know? But, just given the facts, what we know, Bronny isn't even the number one player in his class. He's top twenty, you know. So, and but given what you said about Charlie Woods and him swinging at eleven years old, just like his Tiger, that sounds. You said that sounds like an almost inhuman kind of feat. No, so, it's, it's perennial.
1: I mean, you need a cer- It takes a certain amount of strength to get you know in a golf swing. It takes a certain amount of strength to get into correct position. So typically, when you're 11 years old, you get in your bad habits, mm. and, and, you know, because you're not even, you're barely strong enough to pick up this club. It's the there's no issue with that with Charlie. So, you, you know, you're right. I mean, he's a young prodigy, he's a perennial, and, uh,
0: you know, we're going to see, we're going to be seeing a lot more of him over the next couple of years. Yeah. So, just giving that respect, Rob, I would go Christian. Um, Christian, I'm mean, not saying Christian Woods, uh, Charlie Wood, but, Wrapping up, man. This is the. It's been the break room. Thank you for joining us for the first episode. Yeah,
1: thanks, Charles. It was great joining you guys today, and uh, thank you, Marcus, behind the ones and twos. And yeah, guys, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at the Break Room H O U. That is the Break Room H O U. And we'll see y'all next week. Run that back turbo. Try that bad turbo.
0: I'm hood, my hood my lady. i my good, narcotics, keep my diamonds, probably on, diamond, honest, keep them no dollars.